The True Tone Lounge podcast features audio-only versions of our video interviews. To view those, please visit truetonelounge.com or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash truetonefx. Charles and welcome to the True Tone Lounge. Today our guest is our friend J.D. Simo. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm honored to be back. Thank yeah. you for having me. It's it's good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> See, folks, we haven't caught up in a long time, so Zach is multitasking here. Where it's like we haven't caught up in months, so it's like yeah. So actually, you know, this is one of my best friends on the planet. So actually. Unlike the last time where he pretty much knew everything I was going to say, yeah. this time he's actually going to be like y'all and yeah. hear some stuff for the first time. So kudos to you for multitasking. You're, well, you you're know, more together of a cat than I am. Yeah, well, you got you got to try. Well, thanks for yeah. having me, though. It's a pleasure you're, to be back. You're very back. welcome. Thanks so. for coming back out. So, so, you know, I was, you know, in the, in the last couple months, you know, you, your last record you made, Rise and Shine, mm-hmm. was a little more, you know, experimental. <laughs> had had you know some uh, some kind of uh, late sixties Isaac Hayes kind of influence and such, sure. and then you you played me some tracks off this new blues album and it's very traditional Chicago blues, playing a Strat, you know playing you know Lightning Hopkins and different things. Yeah. I love it. Tell me about this this uh, this kind of you know switch or you know change in direction. Well, you know uh, everything's just an evolution as you know and uh, the. Um what happened was we got back from winter tour um, right right before the first of the year. And I we were going to take a couple of months off of touring, which is not normal for us, because um, I was going to go and do a solo tour with Tommy Manuel, which was uh, which I did in July in, uh, in July in January, yeah. um, which was which was a, a hell of a lot of fun. Um, and it's actually, I can talk about it for a bit because it's, that tour in particular is the first time that I've ever stepped out on stage alone ever wow. in my life. You so know? You, didn't have, you didn't have a band, it was no. just you? It was just me. And, um, you know, I knew, of course, like, you know, almost a year in advance that I was going to do, because Tommy graciously invited me to come out and do this stretch of dates with him. Um, and I had played I'd guessed it on his on his uh accomplice one record which came right. out a few months ago um which is a great record and and uh, it was a huge honor to be asked you know to 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 be on that record um so I I knew it was coming but you know how things are you get you you know you go on with life and 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 you're busy and you're doing this and you're doing that and it's like in the back of my mind I'm like you know you got that solo tour with Tommy and all of a sudden, it's going to be here. And so I had thought about it. But, of course, you know, I get home right before Christmas, and it's like, oh, I leave in two weeks. 
and I got to figure out what I got to I got to come up with a show, you know. Yeah. So, um, so I spent you know a couple of weeks working on it, figuring out how I would do it, and I ended up doing it partially electric and partially acoustic. Um, uh, for my portion, you know, my set alone. Obviously, when I came out for the encores with 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 Tommy, um, it changed every night because we did something different almost every night of the tour. Um, just whatever he was feeling like, or we were feeling like, or whatever. Um, but uh, I went out and I did that tour, and I was just so I just had such a great time um, because I just did whatever I felt what felt good to me. Um, and I know that, you know, it's not like I know I didn't have fun playing with my band and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, there were different opinions and, 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 uh, you know, obviously, uh, it's something's not going to always be the best if everybody isn't all into it and right. trying to get all people into the same thing is difficult at times. So henceforth, there were times where, you know, I would set stuff aside because not everybody in the group was into it, you know. And so I came back from that Tommy tour, and I had played a whole bunch of stuff that I'd always wanted to do, you know, because I love Lightning Hopkins, and I love, um, you know, obviously, you know, part of your and my bond going way back as friends is, you know, black American music and the historical knowing where stuff comes from and all that. And um, so I started cutting um, when I got back. Not with anything in mind, but just knowing, just for fun, really. And so I was just having the drummer in the band, Adam, come over to the house. And um, and we cut like, you know, 30 some odd songs, you know. And about halfway through that process, we cut like a dozen or so songs. And then we left to go on tour in uh, March and April. And at that point, like I looked at what we had done and I'm like, well, geez, you know, this is a blues record, you know, like I hadn't set up to do that, but like yeah. the stuff that I liked the most was pretty old school. And, and, um, and so I came back from that tour with that kind of like just embracing it being like, well, this isn't going to be a Simo record. This is going to be a solo record. Um, and, uh, and it's going to be what I want to do, you know? Um, and so, uh, purely, you know, yeah. and uh, and so then we cut, you know, as many or more tracks when we got back from that tour. And I would, for the majority of the record, some of it I played everything on, which was really fun. Um, but uh, majority of it was just guitar and drums, and then I'd go back and play bass, or I'd go back and play bass and play piano, or or uh, or whatever. And um, and so I just got to where I really liked it, you know, and so. That's right now where I'm about to leave um, for a long tour opening for uh, uh, Big Head, our friends Big Head Todd and the Monsters and, and the Dirty Dozen Brass Band. And this is like the first tour where we're doing that whole thing where like half the gig is upright bass and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of, you know, that's the overview. Yeah. I know I'm jumping yeah. ahead, but yeah, that's kind of. Yeah, because, you know, of course. In, you know, in in our day, you know, when you when you say blues, it can be a lot of a lot of different things. This is very important, so, folks. So you know, so you know, you could be talking about blues rock with you know a lot of high gain and synthesizers, no, no. Or, or you or, you know, this is this is traditional blues. This is upright bass. This is you know, 
know, this is, yeah, no, this is, you know, for me, um, you know, uh, I mean, you know, I like a lot of different music, as do you, you know, but when it comes to one of my biggest pet peeves in the world, and one of the reasons why when my group formed and we started, we made our first couple records, is, you know, I very purposely was like, we're playing rock music. Yeah. You know, um, people would call it bluesy or whatever, but like I always shied away from that because I actually don't like the when rock and blues necessarily kind of cross. Yeah. Um, I like traditional blues for what it is, um, and I like rock music for what it is. And, yeah. you know, obviously sometimes when those two things have crossed in a very natural way, you know, older kind of way. I, I've definitely been heavily influenced and love all that stuff. But yeah. in the modern era, I'm not a fan. Um, I mean, if, 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 you know, people can like what they like and that's fine, you know. Um, but, um, but no, for me, I, I really love Lightning Hopkins and, yeah. I, and I really, and always have, and just played for myself. You know that because you yeah. know me. But like, I never played it publicly, but I love Lightning Hopkins a lot. And so, so there's that, and then, you know, I always tell this story. Um, I was, when I was 18, um, you know, because I call it strata-blasting up to that point, which is, you know, being into the Stevie Ray and the Hendrix, which is cool, man. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, I got nothing but love and respect and had huge parts of my, you know, formative years of playing being incredibly, incredibly influenced by Jimi Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan. But um, it's what's kind of come in the wake of that that I think is just kind of, you know, you're better off going backward than forward with that kind of stuff. And uh, But when I was 18 years old, I heard uh, um, the first Fabulous Underverse record, what, uh, Girls Go Wild, and heard Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And since then, Jimmy has always been just one of my biggest... You know, and I've talked about Michael Bloomfield as well. Yeah. Same thing happened. That's right around the time I heard the first Butterfield, or the second, but I heard East West first. Yeah. And so, to me, unless you're talking about, you know, Ike Turner or Magic Sam or Freddie King or Earl Hooker, who's a huge, who who's a huge influence on me as well. Um, unless you're talking about those guys, Pee Wee Creighton, T Bone Walker, BB King, whatever. Um, you know, to me, the 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 next generation, if you will, it's like you got Bloomfield and you got Jimmy Vaughn, you yeah. know, and Anson Funderburg. And know. and just to qualify, you know, Jimmy Vaughn. A lot of people, when they think about Jimmy Vaughn, they think about the Tough Enough era, you know, Two yeah. Birds, and which is fine. Which but, is fine, yeah. But but when you listen to you know, Girls Go Wild, not to be confused with Girls Gone Wild or or, or Girls with Low Self Esteem, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's another thing altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you listen, I mean, that is a pure gut bucket. No, that's blues that's as, that, yeah. that's as real as it gets, and it, and I mean, you know, that original that original band, um, it was a magic thing, just like the just like the the uh, the, the Butterfield band. When yeah. Bloomers was in the band, um, I don't think it's ever been done better as far as where they were playing it authentically, but they were not—they were being themselves doing it. Yeah. They were playing heartfelt, and they were really—they—they they weren't copying. Right. There wasn't mimicry. No, yeah. no. Yeah. I mean, there there was service being done. Yeah. But it wasn't 
um, but it was it, it, but it was real. And yeah. and also, you know, I mean, I'm a fan of anything Jimmy's ever done. I mean, I love all his solo records and especially the stuff that Organ Trio record he put out this year is one of my. I just love it, and um, you know. Um, so, so yeah, when I'm saying blues, you know, like that's where I'm, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. And I think that that's sorely kind of, you know, I had this kind Luther, Luther Dickinson and I have become really, really good buddies uh, from the North Mississippi All-Stars and Luther actually guests on the record. And I've never been a person that liked having guests or doing the whole, oh, I had a guest on my record or something. Yeah. But Luther and I are like, we're peas in a pod, man. And, uh, and we're actually doing the, the Phil Lesh thing together. Um, but um, he and I were having a conversation fairly recently, like in the last six, during this whole process, and just talking about the historical lineage of that, the rep, these repertoires of this music that is, that is very regional and very American, um, that for him, the older he gets, the more kind of, in debt to where he's from, because he's from North Mississippi, and obviously Jim Dickinson, his father, is a hugely important figure in American music and popular yeah. music. But like him talking about the music of that era, of that area, Junior Kimbrough and and uh, and all the Memphis music and all the stuff that makes up his thing, and how he's like, man, you know, he's like they're all passing away or they all have passed away. Yeah. And, I, you know, he feels a great service to represent that repertoire, you know, and that he always is very, he talks, and I dig the way he talks about it because he's like, it's the repertoire, man. Like, the people come and go, but it's the repertoire that has to, like, keep going. Yeah. The songs. The songs, the, the feeling. Um, and so for me, you know, being born and raised in Chicago, and me in my life having, you know, sort of a reconnection with my family and where my family on both sides come from, very poor working class people, um, you know, I feel the same thing for where I'm from, you know. And for me personally, I'm very drawn to um, the guitar players, the music in general, but in, specifically as, as a guitarist, like the guitar players that were the West Side guys in Chicago guys like Magic Sam and uh, and guys like uh, like like Buddy Guy early on mm-hmm. and um, Otis Rush you know and stuff yeah. like that you know I'm very drawn to it so you, you've you've dropped some names here and let's let's get specific on like okay lightning Hopkins okay mm-hmm. somebody wants to you know wants to learn about lightning hopkins so what would be an album or you know or something that you would recommend for you know a viewer well, to, my, to check out my favorite lightning hopkins record is is a record called lightning strikes cuz that was one of the first ones that I ever got. The beauty of YouTube man is just punch it in YouTube man. Yeah, I mean, you, just, you can pull, just punch him in you know because you know. his most famous like the YouTube everybody will find right away is him doing Mojo Hand. Yeah. And the thing about Lightning Hopkins is, um, you know, he played with a thumb pick, he played acoustic, but he played uh, like Jimmy Reed, you know, yeah. is, which actually that's not really Jimmy Reed. That's a guy named Eddie Taylor, who um, Eddie Taylor was from Chicago, and uh, Eddie Taylor um, played not only with Jimmy Reed, but he played with uh, 
John Lee Hooker. It played on a lot of John Lee Hooker records on VJ Records because yeah. it's the same record label. Yeah. But A. Taylor, like that, which is the, the hallmark of American music, you know, like that's, yeah. that's Eddie Taylor. And Eddie Taylor was sort of older than everybody else. So, like, Freddie King, when he lived in Chicago in the 50s and couldn't get a record contract, mm -hmm. um, Freddie King learned to play guitar by being taught sort of by Eddie Taylor. Yeah. And also Earl Hooker, who was, I uh, mentioned earlier, and Earl, you know, was was another guy who never really kind of got his due. You know? Right. But anyway, getting back to Lightning Hopkins, so, you know, there's, there's Jimmy Reed, you know that? So, Lightning Hopkins... I don't know if he was the first, but I mean, he's one of the first famous ones to like do a shuffle. kind of like in the style of Lightning Hopkins is very yeah. um, it's very greasy and it's something that I really really love you know um, but that kind of shuffle beat was something that he was really he used a lot you know yeah. and he played by himself a lot so he had this really beautiful sense of time that like John Lee Hooker also kind of had yeah. um, I could go on and on yeah so you, know, you have the Lightning Hopkins thing, which you know, he was kind of famous for for playing acoustics with a sound hole pickup and running it through sure. an amp. And so, now some, on some, I guess on some of the albums, he he might have played electric guitar later but, on. Sure, later on. Later but on, but a lot sure. of it was that DeArmond sound hole pickup and yeah. and the Gibson or some other kind of acoustic. Mm -hmm. So then you talked about you know Jimmy Vaughn. Mm -hmm. So what would be? I mean, of course, you were you know, kind of indicating that you loved everything. But if you were to recommend like one or two things of Jimmy Vaughn for someone to really get an idea of of Jimmy Vaughn's playing. Well, you know. the fir that first Fab of the Thunderbirds record that yeah. came out in like 78 or 79, I yeah. think, called Girls Go Wild um, because it is just, you know, I mean, he's like 20, was he? He might, he might be 30, close to 30 when he made that record. Anyway, I mean, he just... It, it's just the real thing. I mean, it's just the amalgam of... Yeah. It's funny to me also because, like, Jimmy especially... Now he's adopted this amalgam of styles that were kind of regional to kind of South Texas and the Gulf, you know, uh, playing with the capo like Gatemouth Brown and, mm -hmm. and, and Johnny Guitar Watson and, and, and that kind of thing. But back in those days, back in the early... Thunderbirds days, you know, it really is all that stuff I mentioned about like the West Side Chicago players. He's kind of like that perfect amalgam of all those guys. There's 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 definitely some BB King and there's some Freddie King in there, but there's a lot of Magic Sam and Otis Rush and and um, and Pee Wee Creighton and all that kind of, you know, yeah. Ike Turner. I love Ike Turner. That's another guy. You know, I mean, he wasn't yeah. a Chicago guy. He was in Memphis, but but um, you know. All that stuff. So anyway, so yeah, I mean, I'd say the first Thunderbird record, um, and uh, then the really, I mean, this last Organ Trio record, the Jimmy Vaughn Trio record that just came out, is just really great because I think that it's funny because he's had like two different styles, Jimmy. He had like the Thunderbird style, 
Yeah. And then, like, when he made his first solo record in the early 90s, he put the capo on and he started playing... It, it, you know, it still is connected to the way he played before, but, like, he's developed this this other thing that now, 20 years later, has developed into this whole other amalgam where it's like there's a bit of Barney Kessel, there's a bit of Kenny Burrell, there's a bit of... There's 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 that stuff mixed with the Clarence Gatemouth Brown, yeah. all that kind of stuff, you know. And I just think, I mean, I I could gush all about him. I just, for me, for my money, I just think that, you know, like he is still out there playing, and it's like that's the real thing, you yeah. know. And it's in in a way, it's almost it's I was gonna say like unfortunate that he's Stevie Ray Vaughan's brother. I mean that I don't mean that at all. But what I mean is, like, you know, Jimmy is such an important player that the fact that he's Stevie's brother, it, it almost, I mean, it's like, it matters, but it's like, there's, you know, if that's how you find him and then you fall in love with him, great, you know? Yeah. And I obviously, I understand that, like, you know, not, I, I say, people ask me all the time, they're like, well, who's your favorite guitar player? And I, and I say, well, you know, probably Jimmy Vaughn, living Jimmy Vaughn or something. And some people are totally, and they're like, yeah. And then some people are like, really? Yeah. You know? And I get it that it's kind of an acquired taste, you know? Whereas, you know, Stevie yeah. was flashier and just as soulful, like completely just as soulful, just as heartfelt. But it's more, I think what Stevie does is more accessible, you know? And Jimmy, it's, it's a little grittier, it's a little funkier, it's a little, uh, and I don't mean that he's funkier than his brother. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's different. It's more... It's it's um, it's 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 an acquired taste, you know. Just like Ike Turner, just like any of these old guys are. Yeah. It's not for everybody, you know. You've always been kind of listening to these guys, but mm. then, then it just kind of you know kind of welled up in you, and then, and then did, you kind of yeah. and you and you and you made this this record that yeah. again is more of a you know traditional mm. you know blues record. Yeah. And, it, and it's cool that you're, you know, you've kind of you've changed you know your sound somewhat. And uh, you know, you use an upright bass, and you've changed you know, instrumentation. So, you know, you've uh, you know, kind of you know, you've got a strat here, which I haven't seen you play a strat in many, many years. Um, yeah, fifteen years probably. Yeah. This was actually a buddy of mine. Well, I made part of the record I made with Red, my three thirty-five. It's still yeah. my favorite. You know, like that thing's like an appendage on me. Yeah. Um, and I was gonna bring it, folks, but he was like, "Well, you brought it last time, and you're playing the strat, so bring the strat." So. Uh, <laughs> But I've definitely, I've fallen in love with this. This actually was a buddy of mine's. Yeah. Um, who's actually a really good friend of, of Jimmy Vaughn and Anson. And uh, this, is, this was his guitar. And yeah. I never had a Strat that did that sound. Because yeah. in a way, and I don't, and again, folks, like, I love Steve Ray Vaughn, so don't, you know, like, I'm, I'm just trying to give as many disclaimers. But, like, the kind of Strat sound that I would want is like anti-Stevie. Like, I don't want, that's not the sound that I'm looking for. I'm looking for something that's kind of that 50s style that's a little clangier. It's a little less fundamental. It's, 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 it's a little fur, it's not furrier, but fuzzier sounding. Like, the notes kind of blend into each other and kind of mess with each other harmonically. It's, yeah. just a, it's just a different sense. So anyway, this was my buddy's guitar, and he had it, and... I was like, man, I got to have that. And so he was gracious enough to let me have it. And uh, and uh, um, 
and I've just really, really grown really comfortable with it because I'm playing the same, essentially the same way that I used to. It's just now I have that sound. And it's funny because with Red, I had it wired out of phase or I had, had Glazer put the pot in it to knock it out of phase. Yeah, so you had a push-pull pot so you could knock one of the pickups out of phase with each other. Right, the... and I use that sound yeah. a lot because I like that sound because it's like a sound that I'm not sick of hearing, okay? Yeah. And so the funny thing is is that now with this, I'm playing the same way essentially, but it's like, but this sound again is a sound that I'm not sick of hearing. It's that old school sound. Yeah. And it's in a way a bit more pleasing than the out of phase sound. It's a little more accessible. It's a little, um, it's a little broader, you know? And I've just really, really gravitate towards it and really like it. And it's, and, uh, and so I finished making the record with this. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just all part of, I mean, it just, you know, it wasn't, I didn't plan it. It just happened, you know, it just kind of yeah. all happened naturally. And as far as like the building up and the wellspring thing, you know, I'd always wanted to do it, but it's just never was, it never happened naturally. Like I was just following the muse and it's like, it just kind of naturally happened. Like I said, I started cutting stuff just for my own pleasure. It wasn't, yeah. You know, for once I wasn't I didn't wasn't answering to anybody and didn't have really anyone's input, and that's what came out. And it's like, well, all right then. You know, very cool. Is that an ash or alder body? It's an ash body, so it's like a '56 ash body, and then the neck is like a '58, and um, and then the pickups are actually not old pickups. These are actually uh, my buddy Ron Ellis. Yeah. Um, who's just a gentle, gentle soul. He, this is the second set of pickups he made because the first set were good pickups, but they weren't what I was looking for. And I basically, like, I gave him, like, a huge playlist of stuff, and it was mm -hmm. actually really fun for me because it was like, check this out, check this out, check this out. Yeah, so what what would be, you know, what were these these tunes that, you know, if you were talking about ultimate, you know, kind of strat tones that you were oh, looking man, for? Oh, man, you know, like... Yeah. Uh, there's a whole bunch of Ike Turner stuff from the 50s, and I don't know if I sent these to, to him or not. I know I sent him, like, the first Anson Thunderbird record from yeah. 80 or 81, Talk to the Hand. Okay. And Anson has become a good friend. Yeah. Um, and Anson's another big hero. Um, I put him very in the same category as Jimmy, and yeah. he's even lesser lauded, but as important, in my opinion, in the in the world today. Yeah. But uh, I think I sent him that, and I and obviously, you know, like Jimmy, the 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 early Thunderbird stuff, you know, Girls Go Wild, um, the original, I Can't Quit You, uh, with Otis Rush, you know, it was like a really good middle pickup <laughs> kind of sound, and and uh, and all of that early. There's a there's a there's a record that. Um, it's called Folk Festival Blues, and it also was issued, it was issued, I think, in Europe for as Folk Festival of the Blues. I heard Jimmy Vaughn talk about this record, and it took me forever to figure out what record this was. Um, it was released in Europe, I think, as Folk Festival of the Blues, and then it was released here in America on chess as Big Bill, Big Bill's Live at the Coca Cabana, and it's, and it's, and it's Muddy Waters, and um, Sonny Boy Williamson and Howlin' Wolf, and they're backed by a very like a, probably a twenty-some-year-old buddy guy, 
It was mm. the first record that was really I don't know if it was Buddy's first record, but it was it was it was way before he made records of his own. Yeah. And that record is incredible. And I've figured out over time that the folk festival version of that record is what Clapton first heard of Buddy Guy and got okay. all up. I was able to kind of connect the dots. Yeah. But then in the late 60s, Chess issued it like six years after the, it was released in Europe. And Jimmy and all the all the young guys, Ants and all those guys, had that version of it. Right. And, you know, that's Buddy playing a 50s Strat into, I'm assuming, probably a basement or something. Mm -hmm. And it is just, it, most of it's treble pickup, and it's just so good. I mean, it's just the best you've ever heard, Buddy Guy. I mean, just old school. And he's backing Muddy Waters and Howlin' yeah. Wolf in their prime. Right. You know? And so I, that's the, you know, so I, I know I sent Ron that. You know, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I did, and uh, and yeah. so and he nailed it though. He basically yeah. just made a dead nut, fifty-seven like fifty-six, fifty-seven set that are yeah. that are very microphonic, and they're 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 very low output, mm -hmm. um, and um, old stagger, and uh, A5 magnets that are like like old A5 magnets, um, and so all those things combined are kind of the antithesis of what you would want for like a Hendrix sound or a Stevie sound or something. Right, because you'd want higher output. You want higher output, you yeah. want you want um, stronger fundamental, Yeah. you know. Um, so and you yeah. don't want microphonic. No, and you yeah. don't want microphonic because you're, you're going to be, because it's going to be a lot higher gain. You know, right. This is a very low gain situation. It's not clean, but it's cleaner. Yeah. <clears throat> it's got the you know the old three way on there. Yeah, yeah. I don't I I don't yeah. because I don't use the in between positions. Yeah. So so I uh this is easier for me to be able to switch quickly yeah. because I don't um because yeah because otherwise it might get hung up in the in between and I don't want that. Yeah. So and um not nothing against it, it's just not my what I want. And uh and I do have the bridge pickup wired to this. Okay. Um, and I, I used the tone controls a lot more on a Stratocaster, yeah. I've found. Um, because taking it off the neck pickup and playing jazzier, it really, I, I like doing that. And yeah. then that being on the treble pickup is really useful because you really can get it to not sound like a Stratocaster. Right. It's pretty interesting, actually. And so the other tone controls on the neck pickup? Yeah, this one's on the neck pickup and that one's on the treble pickup. And the middle one, yeah. Yeah, right. and I don't even think I don't think this is even reverse wound either. Okay. Um, because I didn't, I just wanted it to be old school. And I do know I remember, it's th this has got an old cap in here too, an mm -hmm. old point one, uh, those square. Yeah. Um, yeah the little, little phone book looking ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Which which actually it's part of that sound. Yeah. You know, like a guitar like this. With 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 pickups like that, you know, like that's that's part, you know, and and that's the other thing. Like I I ex I had started experimenting with pedals and all that kind of stuff, and I have fun with it. And then I just went, what the hell, you know, like it's just not me, man. You know, I was doing it, and I was having fun with it for a second, yeah. but like you know, like this stuff is the stuff that feels comfortable to me, and then it's just let your hands do it, you know.
again, you're you know you're you're back to straight into the amp. Mm -hmm. So you've got the the Strat today. You're using uh, Deluxe Reverb and yes, I know, got yours here this yes. time because mine got stolen. I've heard about that. <laughs> right after we did the last one of these, we uh, uh, the first that's the first big tour I brought my old Deluxe on, yeah. and the the Italians got it. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> the Italian job. <laughs> Whatever. What are you gonna have? What are you gonna do, man? Stuff happens, folks. You know, it's just yeah. stuff. You yeah. know, human life is a lot more important. But yeah. yes, I'm actually playing through yours, and it sounds yeah. really good. And then live. What you want for it? Hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding on to that one. Okay, all right, all right, fair enough. So, uh, and then live, you've you've been using a super reverb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been yeah. using supers, and so I've got a couple of supers that I really like, and that's what that's the only thing I used on on this new record, um, just because it did what I wanted it to do. Yeah. Um, but it's funny though because I I, I do um, I might experiment a little bit. Um, I was telling you before we did this, you know, I might, uh, I might end up getting a basement or something like that. Um, like not a, that I'm not getting, yeah. not that I'm not getting what I want out of the supers. I am, um, but it's just again like a lot of those sounds that, um, that I love the the Ike Turner records from the '50s and stuff like that. Like that's that's what they're using. They're tweed four ten basement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. so I don't know. I might go there next. You know, I might not. I don't know. But yeah, just the chord and the super. And um, I set the supers way different than when I was just playing the Gibson. I because I, uh, with the Gibson, I would always want to put solid state rectifiers in them. Yeah. And um, and I would set them real bright i would you know set them with the with the treble all the way up and the bright switch on and the bass almost off and yeah and all this stuff and with a stratocaster it's a very different thing where now i'm i've actually like set the supers up very different where i've got the tube rectifier back in there and um um and i set them way different i set the the the, the treble down quite a bit you know like on six or seven and and middle about the same and actually base up to like three or four um, to get the kind of sound that I'm looking for. Yeah, that kind of brings up an interesting, you know, kind of topic. A lot of people don't think about the fact that, you know, the electric guitar is really not a whole instrument without the amp. Yeah. And the amp and the guitar, the mm -hmm. way they work together is, is so important, and you really have to dial things in differently. It doesn't work great when you take a Strat and plug it into an amp, dial it in, and then you just take a Gibson and don't change anything. Yeah, I mean... It, it doesn't tend to. No, it doesn't tend to, and I think it all begins and ends with what it is that you're wanting to hear. And no. I think if you have a better conception of what it is that you're looking for, um, you're better, you have a better chance of finding it, you know? <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, you know, uh, that, and, that, and again, like, that's just me. That's just my preference. Uh, no. Everybody's different, and everybody's hands sound a little different. Some people have bright sounding hands some people have dark sounding hands i mean it just depends yeah um but uh but yeah for me you know i just kind of that's that's kind of where i've where i've ended up um and it's it's also it's interesting because this guitar is so you know because i'm going from playing an old 335 that like will drive any amplifier mm -hmm. and this is incredibly not forgiving and weak and it's it's fun, man, because it's like it's really. It reminds me of back when I was in the club band with Don Kelly, and I stopped using pedals. Mm -hmm. And it's like I heard the sound that I wanted, 
but I had to get my hands in shape. Yeah. And I had to like adjust from having that feeling of being propped up that like using compression and using delay and using overdrives and stuff gave me before. Now <laughs> it's like going to a more unforgiving instrument, which I think fenders generally are. Yeah. Um, and having that much less power driving the amp, it's like I'm getting the sound that I'm wanting, but um, but I'm 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 definitely having to 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 adjust a bit, and that's that's actually kind of fun for me because it yeah. reminds me of something that already happened to me once in my playing. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's just a physicality to playing music, mm-hmm. and there's a there's an aspect of just like if you know. You have to keep yourself in shape. You have to keep your hands in shape, and you have to keep your chops up mm-hmm. to be able to pull those sounds out. Because you, you know, mm-hmm. but especially, you know, it, it not to be, you know heap too much praise on this, but just you know, when you're plugging straight into the amp, you know, you don't have those other things, and so you have to have more, mm-hmm. more you know, control of your hands, and that it, comes from practicing and working at it. It does. It does indeed, and it's. You know, like I said, I mean, it's you. You know, if you're if you're if you're if you're getting the sound, like I think you have to let your ears guide you because if you're getting the sound you want, you can compensate with the rest. You can adjust. Yeah. But if you're not getting the sound, then don't matter. You know. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, no. So it's it's been really fun. But like I said, this has been really comfortable. I mean, it's it hasn't really. I've been aware of what I'm telling you, but I'm not. It hasn't been something that's been like debilitating in any way. And if yeah. anything, it's been like, oh man, I remember that feeling. Yeah. I remember when I had to work a little bit extra hard because I didn't have that little bit of extra, you know, cushion underneath me. Yeah. You know. So, but it's worth it because it's like it's the sound that I'm wanting to hear. Yeah. You know. Let's grab this uh, ES5. Let's do that. So tell me about this beautiful ES5. <laughs> so, I mean, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful, man. Um, so a lot of these guys, some of these guys I've already mentioned, Pee Wee Creighton is definitely one of them. Um, you know, the ES5 came out, and, you know, of course everybody wanted, you know, L5s and Super 400s and stuff because that was the Cadillac guitar yeah. of the late 40s and, and, and the early 50s. These, I think, were, I could be wrong, but, you know, I think these were a little bit cheaper. And um, T-Bone Walker obviously played one, and uh, Pee Wee Creighton played one. And B.B. King, my favorite B.B. King record is the is Singing the Blues, which came out on Crown Records in 56 or something. And that's him playing an ES5, that whole thing. That's pre-vibrato B.B. King. Yeah, when he, he's playing... Playing straight he's, notes. He's playing yeah. like more like T Bone Walker, and yeah. um, and so uh, he's playing in ES Five and 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 uh, um, Lowell Folsom, um, who you know is another contemporary of T Bone Walker from the fifties. He played in ES Five, um, and then move up a couple of generations. Then you had you know in the eighties and the nineties, you know you had guys like Ronnie Earl and mm-hmm. guys like Anson Funderburg and Kid Ramos and stuff like that played ES5s for a handful of songs or something yeah. um, in, in tribute to that. And so anyway, I use this for two. One, I use it because um, there's just no way to get that kind of sound 
And it's also, it kind of serves double duty for me because um, there's one tune that we do now that, like, is the ES5 kind of sound. But then there's one of those Lightning Hopkins kind of things because obviously this being a big, you know, basically an acoustic instrument, um, I can kind of... Sometimes I go back and forth. Like I, as we tour more, I'll make more of a decision. Sometimes I'll take my acoustic and plug it into the amp, like yeah. Lightning would do. Yeah, your Waterloo. Yeah, yeah, my Waterloo, which I love. Or you know, I'll use this, and I can, and I do a very similar thing where I'll yeah. play the Lightning kind of style. Um, but uh, but yeah, I just love this darn thing, and and uh, I'm yep. a huge fan of them. So and part of the charm is that is one of the pickups out of phase. Yeah, actually, I think two of them are out of phase, actually, okay. because you because I know these two are out of phase with each other, but I think this one is too, and so uh, so put put it on us. So you know, put, put, lay it on. Put us. it on you. It's it's a, it's a little. This is a little bit of a noisy instrument. Hold on a second. Sometimes you gotta. kind of thing it, yeah. it, it's because of the where we are folks this thing will yeah. you got a you got a point north you yeah. know but uh this has got a really strong bridge pickup Jimmy Vaughn and what what would be some kind of Jimmy Vaughn isms like on you know on, um, on the strat you know well it's funny because uh, on for Jimmy he's a weird amalgam because like that to me is kind of Jimmy esque but that's also kind of BB King mm-hmm. early BB King yeah um, and like, also a little Freddie King you know so it's kind of to me, they all kind of cross over, yeah. and it's like it's not necessarily one or the other. Like in a way, how Jimmy plays now, I think, is more like that's Jimmy Vaughn, and I don't play like that, you yeah. know. But like the old school Jimmy is more like I'm saying like that.
to me, it's kind of like if you listen to 50s era B.B. King, yeah. um, it's a lot of that, which 50s era B.B. King is so different from modern B.B. King. Right. What everybody thinks of. It's funny because I can't really do it because I don't want to do it. Like, that's yeah. not... The fast vibrato. The fast, yeah. what everybody thinks. And I actually kind of have avoided it because it's like the thing that is the more known, I don't know, I'm just more attracted to things generally that are maybe a little bit more eclectic. And so to me, that more kind of simplistic earlier BB style, which has kind of evolved T-Bone Walker style, mm -hmm. um, that's got chromatics in it, you know. It's more attractive to me. And so it's like what Jimmy did was very similar. Yeah. And they all kind of... It's funny because what I was about to say is about 50s era B.B. King. He really was like the, the first real guitar player that I think everybody copied. Yeah. You know? And so that's kind of the funny thing that it's like even Freddie King or any of these guys I'm talking about in Chicago... They all had a bit of that kind of 50s era B.B. King because he was, I think he was so important just in the pantheon of guitar. It's just he was the yeah. guy everybody wanted to be like. So, like, that is kind of where it's really coming from, yeah. you know? And I don't know, I probably haven't done a great job at explaining yeah. it, but that's kind of what I'm thinking about, yeah. you know? Early non-vibrato B.B. King. Yeah, or singing, slight vibrato. You know, or slight sing, vibrato. Singing yeah. the Blues album. Singing the Blues. And then there's a record, there's another record that came out in 1960 or 61 that is Anson Funderburg's favorite album of all time, which is called My Kind of Blues. And it's um, B.B. backed by the Lloyd, Grin, uh, Lloyd Glenn trio, which is just piano, bass, and drums. Oh, wow. And I swear to you, B.B.'s playing a Stratocaster. Because mm. you can hear it from the first note of the of the record, and there's photos of BB that friend a friend of mine found that where BB's got the right haircut for that era, and he's playing a maple board strat. Yeah. And I swear to God, it's a Stratocaster. But that record is a really great record too. Yeah. And that anybody who's like a fan of Anson Funderbird would would be into that record. Yeah, and and, 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 and that's, that's not record. long before you get live from the Regal. It's not, yeah, but, but the difference is pretty big. Yeah. Because, again, this kind of stuff, and, again, like, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, you know... So, I mean, it's, it's, it's close. Yeah. I mean, that's basically kind of live at the Regal-esque, but I mean, it's like, it's not as as fast vibrato, B. Yeah. It's it's yeah. It's still like, there's vibrato, but it's not it's, the hummingbird vibrato. Right. And I just love that sound. And all yeah. those guys, like I said, kind of have that amalgam, whether it's Jimmy Vaughn or whether it's um, Freddie King or, or, or Magic Sam or, or Eddie Taylor or... Otis Rush, same yeah. thing, you know. And and you were using the uh, you were using the bridge pickup earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Man, that's a great bridge pickup sound. Thank you. That is totally the sound, though. Like that's yeah. that 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 slightly microphonic '50s kind of sound where yeah. if you back it off, it almost sounds like a Gibson. You know, or uh, for like the there's. <laughs> That crazy record that, uh, if you back this off a little bit and pull the wang bar, you can do that, that uh, uh, Ike Turner. That's something that Ike Turner did, and yeah. I do that a lot now because that's like that—that's the only thing I use this for. Yeah, is doing the Ike Turner thing. Yeah, um, that, that almost has like a, a '50s ray gun kind of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, but uh, but that—that that was that's like, that's Ike Turner did that. Yeah. On a couple of different albums back in the '50s, but like that's the only thing I use this for. And if he he would play bridge pickup, but like through a basement or something sort of dark but it's like you can tell because that's the thing about this kind of Stratocaster is you really like bridge pickup middle they're all very distinctive sounding they don't they don't you know they're they're they sound like they sound, and so yeah. in the middle pickup, a lot of guys use. If you get the amp driving a little bit, It's weird because they almost they, they sound different from one another, but yet they all kind of have this hollow quality yeah. that again is just very not later era Stratocaster, you know. Right. And when you're playing low down on them, there's um, there's this clanky yeah. kind of thing. And a lot of these guys, some of them would overdrive their amps a lot, which I like. But there's that clean stuff, like like uh, Magic Sam. He would play bridge pickup real quiet. Not quite that quiet, but. play real quacky yeah. like that and like Earl Hooker I've got my slide here like he would play like m- middle pickup quiet like that
a slide player, I've always kind of struggled with, um, you know, I've always been really influenced by lots of different slide players, but for some reason now, like I've always played in standard tuning. I've never been a big tuning slide guy. And so just really coming full circle kind of back around to Earl Hooker has really helped, I don't know, me kind of feel more grounded um, where I'm not thinking Dwayne Allman. I'm not thinking, uh, you know, I'm thinking Earl, I'm thinking Earl Hooker. And it's, but it's like already how I play slide makes sense with Earl Hooker because that's yeah. how he played slide. Yeah. And he was doing it 15 years before Dwayne Allman was doing it, yeah. you know, uh, which is just crazy, you know, because people talk about Elmore James and rightfully, rightfully so. But it's like in the early 1950s, Earl Hooker was was playing standard tuning slide, you know, essentially playing whatever, playing whatever he could play without a slide with a slide. Yeah. In the early 50s, you know. Yeah. And it's like, talk about a guy that nobody talks about when they should, you know. Yeah. So, you know, it's there's there's a track on the new record that's not a normal, it's not Earl's song, it's my tune, but yeah. it's me kind of, it's just really helped. It's just really helped kind of focus because it's all kind of, I've gone through all the, um, all the stuff and it's just, I'm having fun and this is fun for me. Yeah. One thing I wanted you to share with us mm -hmm. is just, Maybe a, a playing concept or, or something that, you know, that really helped shape you musically or really kind of helped you along with, with your playing. I'd be glad to. And um, the, and I know this might bore some people, but man, you know, having an assertive left hand that or right hand if you're a left-handed player obviously but your your fretting hand having an assertive where you're 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 grabbing the note for what it is but you're not choking it's really hard to describe where it's like you're 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 fretting the note and you're playing it with authority but but at the same time my wrist my hand is not clenched i'm right. not doing this yeah. i'm not doing this i'm not tense i'm yeah. i'm I'm loose, but I'm doing it assertively. So much of getting a good sound starts with your freaking hands, man, you know? And if you get a good sound just sitting here without the amplifier on and the volume off, like I'm sitting here and I'm getting the guitar to sustain and I'm hitting pitch and I'm not wavering, and, you know, it's not fretting anymore, but it's like my hand, I have a hand strength that is firm and assertive and, and a vibrato that I've worked on over a long period of time where it's like I hit a note, and I hit it, and it's there. Yeah. And it's amazing to me how I travel all over the world and see all types of different people, and how that basic building block of playing is like not present. It's scary to me. And I know why, I think. I think the reason why is that it's not sexy. You know, it's not flashy. But man, you know, you can put 
if you got it's just like anything. If you put your if you got your fundamentals right, you can pile anything you want on top of that, and it's going to be stable and it's going to be great, you know. But it's like, but you got You can't. You got to crawl before you can walk, you yeah. know. And I think a lot of people are, you know, they skip ahead, you know, steps, and consequently, I think that it makes it that much harder to have a style because you're not the way you develop a style if you're going to develop a style is you take a bit of this you know as they say take what you like and leave the rest you know mm-hmm. and so you know for me i just you know i i'm very conscious of it and when i was playing in the don kelly band i think i talked about this last time a little bit where it's like i when i left that band i had all this dexterity i had all this ability to play really fast and really complicated stuff you know but I, I had lost, I had sacrificed a bit of my ability to just get a good sound and play, just do something very, like, I, I couldn't do this. I couldn't, you know, I'm in A. And just get it to vibrate and just keep it, you know, like, I had to, you know, and it doesn't take long. It'll take you a month or something like that. Yeah. But you can sit in front of the television and do this. And I recommend actually doing it without an amplifier. Because yeah. it's like if you can sit with a guitar, because that's the other thing. All these old timers, man, they would play, you know, in the club, plug into whatever they could plug into, you know. But it's like if they were sitting practicing or if they were trying to woodshed on something, they'd be sitting on a bed in a motel or something and just playing to themselves. Yeah. And it's like they weren't thinking about it. They just, they that's what they had, you yeah. know. Um, but, but it yields a better outcome because it's like, if you can get it to sound good like this, unplugged, unplugged, yeah, where it's like I'm getting sustain and I'm getting a sound out of the guitar. Mm-hmm. That's going to be amplified. Well, yeah, yeah, and then it's only going to get better as you get that to to work with, you know. Yeah. But I mean, it's just just something that just that fundamental basic building block of playing that I think is getting more and more and more lost um, as time goes on. And, and it's probably the thing that's the most important. And uh, it's definitely the absolute first thing about how to get a good sound. Oh. Because you, you, every person has a different touch. And it's like, and you can refine your touch. I think that you start with the touch you have, but you can refine it. And it's like, but that's where tone comes from. That's where your sound comes from. It's, it starts and ends with you, you know? And so it's like, if you... If you put the time in to really be able to get the most out of the instrument, then, you know, it's only going to get better as you use better equipment or you use this or that, you know, whatever, you know, right. to get exponentially better. But it's like, but if you're starting at a disadvantage, you know, then how can it ever get better? It won't, you know. Okay. I'm going to ask you something that I've, I've, you know, for as long as I've known you, you've been doing this and I've never commented on this. When you're playing, especially when you're soloing, mm-hmm. sometimes you'll start making these kind of guttural, like humming kind oh, of things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, no, it's it's really interesting. So, how does that how does that aid your playing? Does that help you in like your? I don't no, know I'm, I'm, doing I'm just. So I don't, don't know. I'm doing it. Okay. No, 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 folks. Yeah, no. It's it's something that I do where when I'm playing, I make noises. Yeah. 
and I don't know I'm doing it. I'm yeah. really not aware that I'm doing it. But it, but it's interesting because it, it almost seems like it it adds a breathing quality to your playing because <laughs> I don't yeah, know. So I don't know, but okay. I, I I'm I, I'm not the only one. Yeah, it's because it's been brought to my attention many times, and it drives some people crazy. Because really? I mean, usually I'm playing so dang loud that yeah, it, people don't hear it. You can't hear it. Yeah, but like in the studio, people would hear it yeah. and stuff like that. Or like I'm sitting close to you when I'm playing. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, I I uh, I don't know what that is. Um, yeah. The more and more, and especially kind of in the space that I'm in right now, I've as I said, like I've done the. Some I've played music and played the type of guitar that was incredibly dexterous and very difficult yeah. and very technical. I guess you can say in a, in a yeah. certain in my version of technical. Anyway, it's nothing compared to friends of mine that really know what they're doing. But uh, to me, having really approached the instrument from that, trying to really kind of hold my own, playing really difficult music that's physical and really you know is fast and hard and trying to just feel just play not necessarily simple but just just to emote just to purely emote and 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 do that with no preconception man you know uh, just for me that's so much harder it's so much harder because to to just play and let out what you're doing you got to be so confident and so comfortable with yourself. Um, that's a really hard thing to do. And I think it's easier to play more complicated or something that's more technical because there's almost a safety in once you got it, you got it. And it's like there's almost like a I'm hiding behind it, so to speak. Whereas if you're going to play raw or if you're going to, it's harder. It's because it's more vulnerable. And that's the thing about really, for the first time in my life, because, you know, all these records, I had them when I was a teenager or, or even younger. You know, these these record, these people I keep talking about, you know, that I'm really kind of off into at the moment. And I heard it and I liked it, but it didn't touch me as much as it touches me as an older person because it's not kids' music, man. It's yeah. mature. It's men's music. I mean, not to yeah. be, you know, m- macho about it, but it's, 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 um, it's music... That is meant for. It's adults. It's adult oh, music, yeah. you know, and it's and it's about it's about nuance, and it's it's cool and it's fun, but it ain't flashy necessarily, and it's just the older I get, I mean, as I listen to these guys that had so little vocabulary on the instrument, yet they said so much, and it's just to me that's just amazing because yeah. it's just so harder to do that you know but in a way the other thing that's funny that i've found is that the more you learn on the instrument the harder it is to 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 play truthful because you have all this you have all these fancy words that you can use to kind of misdirect you know and so you know for me trying to distill where i'm at in my playing life it's just trying to distill it down to the simplest you know hopefully you know, just talking statement, taking a breath, and 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 trying to play with the most feeling that I can. And if I don't have, if I don't have something to say, maybe just take a second until I got something to say. You know, yeah. and that takes maturity. You know, um, you know, because the younger you are, the more apt you are to 
talk, 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 and then talk, 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 and I will look at this and look at that, you know, and it's just yeah. like, you know, there's 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 a thing to these this stuff, and I just love it. It just begins and ends with what I like, and I love it. It turns me on. Yeah. Well, JD, thank you so much for coming back out. Thank you for having me. I'm yes. honored to be back. Yeah. And you know, be be watching for your solo, you know, yeah. blues record that'll be yeah, it'll be out, out later, later this year. And then you'll be and be watching out for uh, you know the dates that you'll be playing with the Phil Lesh and friends. Yeah, I'm doing my first first show with them in the middle of this next tour up in San Francisco. No pressure. Yeah, which I'm really looking forward to because uh, it's a huge honor. I'm a huge Dead fan, and and uh, um, uh, like I said earlier, Luther Dickinson and I have become good buddies, and you know, old Luther. You know, got my foot in the door. So, so it's up to me to 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 uh, to keep that door open or have it slam on my foot. You know, so it's up to me from here on out. But I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Thanks, JD. Thank you, Zach. Love you, pal. Okay. This has been an audio presentation by TrueTone, TrueTone.com.